Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's Spurs cast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. Access them right on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Want to do bad things? That's real, though. That's real at all, man. The more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is, is something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff said. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? What? English, mother. Do you speak it? Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 425 of the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you, of course, as always, by ProjectSpurs.com. I'm your host, Ryan McCallum, and riding high, a real American, it's Mr. Jose Grijalva. Good morning, Jose. It's a big day for you. Of course it is, bro. Can you can you hear this music bumping? I can. That's awesome. I, I didn't think you were actually going to go all the way and, and pump some Hulk Hogan. I, I, bro, I, when, when he was being sworn in, I even, uh, put it on Snapchat w- with a real American in the background. I cried. I'm happy. It feels like a better day. It feels like a, like we're great again. Just, you know, seconds, minutes, hours in, into the, uh, into the inauguration. You know, I, so you and I are probably, well, not probably, we're, I don't think we could get more politically divergent, uh, you know, but I, I don't want to go in. I'm, I'm debating here. Like, should should we go all in and make this just a totally political show? Because I I imagine that our audience uh, is probably split too, right? I mean, the country's split fifty fifty. We have a ton of followers. They're probably split fifty fifty. Not necessarily on who they thought who they wanted to win the election, but sort of how do they feel about Trump? Um, but I do want to spend some time because it, it just happened. He just got inaugurated. Donald J. Trump is the the forty fifth president. Uh, of these United States, it's going to have an impact on ourselves or, you know, our culture probably more than if you had any other sort of generic politician from either side in there. So I think it's worthy to spend a little bit of time on there. Plus, 
you're big into politics, man. You're a, you are a local. What were you going to run for? Like a, lo, a local, um, uh, not mayor, city council or something, or a mayor? Yeah, it, it was mayor, and you know, right now, uh, uh, I, I don't want to, you know, put him on blast on the podcast, you know, not tell this uh, tell him to his face. But I mean, a lot of people are not liking the mayor that we have here. They, they don't think he's uh he's been doing well. So uh, I'm just waiting for the recall, bro. If they recall my. My smile is going to go on every corner, you know, flexing and, uh, you know, sort of like the, I'm going to make a cheesy uh, type of a slogan, you know, like let's make Douglas strong again, you know, flexing or something like that. Why not? Why not? Well, um, speaking of, about showing strength, you heard that Trump wanted to have tanks and, and missile launchers kind of lining Pennsylvania Avenue, but the military turned him down for that request. What do you what do you think of that? The military can turn down the commander in chief on a request for a show of of muscle, of political muscle and military muscle, and and isn't that like uh, isn't that what dictators do? Uh, it's just showing you know America, you know, especially with all the protesters. Uh, I I personally wouldn't have uh, wanted it. You know, a lot of people think that I just support him blindly. Uh, just been I'm. I'm extremely fiscally conservative and i'm helping out with the league here you know with that basketball we're gonna have the winter league i'm extremely cheap you know i i'm the kind of person that if you don't have to spend the money you don't have to, you know don't do it if you can get it free or if you can do it yourself i'm that type of person so i would have been completely against you know any any type of of show of strength that you know costed a lot of money like that because it does cost money you know everything you know there's nothing really in this life that's free so uh, I would have I would have been okay if uh, you know if they really did tell him no. What do you think about uh, Hillary being there? Uh, I put out a tweet on my personal account that I was hoping that they did a split screen. You know when he was being sworn in. Just the, I mean just because it was so intense and I mean yeah, the, her so followers are so, right. I lost friends because of this. I lost Facebook followers because of this, and it wasn't you know. It wasn't a good conversation where, you know, we, we sort of, you know, were calm and discussing the issues. That's the reason why I voted for him. I, I did not listen to the rhetoric or to the, uh, you know, so-called racism rants. I, you know, it, it was more about policy. My, you know, my beliefs were closer to, you know, his uh, his policies, how he's going to run the country than Hillary's. But, you know, a lot of people and from both sides, they just took it so personally. I'm over here thinking like, you know, it's. I mean, it's just money, you know. I mean, that, that, that's what it really comes down to. I don't think that much about money, so uh, you know, all these people just getting fired up, and really, it's the uh, uh, it's the biased media from both sides, you know, doing it. So, thank goodness they have us, you know, sort of like this, a bunch of uh, you know, you and me. We really don't care, but we do care at the same time. If that makes sense, it, it, it does. I mean, but so much of America. It, you know, is weighing in on this and, you know, celebrities and, and regular people. And, you know, when polls, you know, the pollsters get involved, uh, that really kind of that, that feeds the frenzy a little bit. So, you know, I encourage people to have their continue to have independent thoughts uh, about the favorability of, of Donald Trump and, you know, the, the actions that, that he takes and that, what the government does over the next, you know, four years at least. But, you know, Obama is he's leaving office with like the highest approval rating ever, right? In the history of government, he's, he's leaving with the highest approval ratings. Um, and he's like at the total, it appear, apparently at the total opposite end of the political spectrum from Trump. Uh, you know, they're almost polar opposites on, on just about every topic, right? It, it, or so it would appear. Um, Trump has the lowest favorability ratings at 37% of any incoming president 
of all time since they've been doing these kind of polls. You know, how do you think he gets his approval ratings up? I mean, is it what can he do like in the next 100 days uh, to to calm people down? Yeah, like I tell everybody, if money comes, you know, if if the dollar gets stronger, if jobs come back, come, you know, if they come back, people aren't going to care. You know, as as long as their uh, family situation, their personal lives, if it's getting better, you know, if they can buy more things, if they can live happier lives. It's not going to matter who's president. I, you know, and to be honest, you know, those polls, especially, you know, during the election, uh, you know, a lot of these media stations, you know, they had uh, Trump only having like 2% uh, chance to win or the 5% and then it went to like 20 or so. And then he just blew her out, you know, as far as the electoral college. So I really don't buy that. I'm not saying that, you know, Obama's extremely unlikable. I'm not going to say that he's like in the 20s or 30s, but I don't think he's that high up. And I don't think that Trump, Trump is that unfavorable either. So uh, I just think, again, it's just biased media. Who are they asking? You know, what type of voters right. uh, are they asking? You know, 70 percent Democrats, if they're if they're liking Trump, the 30 percent Republicans, how many independents, you know, for either side. So I, I really don't buy that. You know, as long as the economy gets better, I don't think people are going to care who's the who's the leader of this great country. Well, you know, I, I was on Yahoo and I was looking through. You know, what's the schedule for an inauguration? You know, because I know it's not just, you know, you show up, you get sworn in, that's that. And there, there's a whole day of activity. And the first thing that was on the agenda today was uh, the Trumps sitting down with the Obamas at 930 for tea. What the heck do you think they even talked about? Or do you think they talked at all? Uh, well, I love tea. You know, I'm a big tea drinker. I don't really do coffee uh, unless I need to get up. If it's going to be a day I don't go to the gym and I'm not going to take my pre-workout because it has creatine and, you know, all that other stuff. So uh, I'll just drink a, you know, usually I'll just drink a good uh, cup of tea. Uh, you can talk about a lot of things, you know, life. It depends on the tea too. I'd like to know what tea they drink. Was it something calm like a uh, like a um, uh, chamomile tea yeah. or a Some cinnamon tea? tea. I mean, yeah, or was it like a green tea, you know, something, you know, really to get them hyped up and get that fat burning, that metabolism going? Right. You know, I, I just like to know the tea, you know, that's what's really bugging me about this. I don't care what they talked about. I want to know what they drank. Yeah, I think if uh, all of that aside, <laughs> what kind of tea that they had, I, I just, it, they, uh, okay, so I, I heard another, you know, I'm big in a podcast, not just promoting our own, but there was this show um, keeping it 1600, which is an awesome name for a, a political podcast. It was on the Ringer Network, and now they started their own called Pod Save America, and it's a bunch. It's super demogra- uh, demographic. It's super democratic, um, and well, I guess every, I guess all of American politics is democratic. This, these guys are uber democrats. Uh, they used to be speechwriters for Obama, all that kind of stuff. They actually landed Obama two nights ago as his actual final ever media interview was with these guys on their podcast. And they go there in the Roosevelt room and uh, they, they're interviewing Obama and the way he was, he was talking, um, he seemed resigned to the fact that, you know, okay, he's out, he's transitioning to power, but it was just so evident. He didn't like Trump at all. And so, you know, you're forced to sit down and have tea with Trump on the morning that he's getting inaugurated and you're out of there I could just see Obama checking scores from last night on the NBA.com or the NBA app, just kind of scrolling through stuff below the table, not paying attention to any of the conversations going on. Or maybe they had to have like a mediator to lead them through conversations so it could at least look productive. I'm, I'm waiting for the pictures 
to come out from that event. Now you know how I feel when we do the podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I think they had you know good conversations. <laughs> you know, especially you know everything that Obama's done eight years. You know, even if you agree with it or not, that's a lot of. You know, I, I think they had some really good conversations. I think he might be, you know, trying to convince them to not, you know, do away with certain things. Because, again, you put eight years of your life. It doesn't matter if you like the guy or not. You know, the, the fact that they can really wipe out everything that he did, Obamacare. Yeah. I mean, all these different things, you know, uh, all these executive orders that he signed. You know, he you're talking about being really erased from history. He's only going to be uh, – he might only be known for making history as being the first uh, uh, black president. So, I mean, he, he accomplished more than that, whether you liked it or not. So I think he was just maybe trying to convince him not to do away with things, giving him reasons. I mean, there's plenty to talk about. I'd love to talk to both of them. You know, I always like to have political conversations with people. It's it's enlightening, you know, just to find out what other people think. And, you know, uh, seeing it from a different perspective, you know, it's boring when people think like you. That's how I, you know, that's how I am. I love seeing people with different opinions and having discussions. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, um Trump's inaugural address started at noon, uh, you know, East Coast time. So, it, uh, you know, 11 a.m. for for me here in, in uh, Central Texas. But, you know, it, he just immediately went scorched earth, I thought. I mean, the, the, the very beginning of the, the address or this, the presentation, I mean, he just started going after – uh, career politician. I mean, consistent with everything that he said during the campaign and, and, you know, his followers, uh, I'm sure loved it. I'm sure you were going nuts over it, but you know, he, he was very much true to what his message was, but man, I thought that was just strange at your inaugural address, man. Let's have some positivity. What, what did you think of that? I think that was positive. I, it depends on who the message is for. If it's for you know the career politicians, and you know I have a representative here uh, in the Senate, you know in the uh, in Congress who's been doing this for you know years and years and years. I'm not going to throw him under the bus, obviously. You talking about McCain? Uh, of course I am. Yeah. Uh, you know I, he he's one of those guys that again he's just a career politician for something. You know he served our country. Uh, but you know, in my mind, it's two different things. You know, uh, being a representative, uh, and uh, and then you know, uh, you know, uh, giving your life, uh, you know, to for service. Uh, but you know, again, these guys make a lot of money. They get bought, up, you know, bought off by special interests. They get the security of you know their own special health care. Uh, again, you know, once they leave Congress, especially like the Speaker of the House and all these people, they get their paychecks after they, you know, retire or get uh, voted out. Yeah, they so, pay. you know, they, they live cozy lifestyles. They, they're not really intact, you know, in, in uh, really uh, – they, they can't feel the normal person. You know, again, uh, when you have other checks coming in and, and you're basically living a worry-free life – you know, you don't have to worry about the little guy. So I think that that speech was encouraging because it wasn't to those people. It was to the ones that voted for him and even the ones that didn't vote for him, uh, you know, because that message goes to, uh, you know, the, those Democratic anti-Trumpers who, again, don't like Trump. But he's saying, you know, again, these career politicians, they don't have your best interest in mind. I do. I found that encouraging. But uh, speaking Love of people who didn't agree with him, do you see all the protest picks? I mean, of course, on camera. For that, you don't see any of that. Everybody, you know, you clap and cheer and, and whatever, right? You're surrounded by people who are going to support you for the most part. Um, but did you hear any of the shouts from the from the crowd? Uh, you know, they were yelling, hey, not my president. And then, it, like, any of the protest pics that were coming up on Twitter, like, on the sides of 
the uh, um, what is that? Area? What's that called? The the where the Lincoln Monument is. What is you know what I'm talking about? Where that it, yeah. from the White House straight down there. What is it called? Uh, brain fart. Yeah, no, yeah that, no, that yeah. thing. You know that that uh, it. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. How about that? <laughs> that helps, right? Um, but on the sides of that, like on the streets, man, there was like police had to like tear gas and you know stun bomb or whatever it's called stun grenade. Uh, there were all these um, these protest picks that were were thrown up there. Where there there was like police and riot gear and cars being destroyed and all that kind of stuff going on on the sidelines. Did you see any of that stuff? And and what was your reaction to that? Oh uh, yeah, I saw it online. I didn't see it, you know, on the news or anything. Of course, uh, yeah. Like I tell people, you know, it's it's not going to do any good if you do all that. You I know, agree, in, in reality, you're just going to give them more power. Uh, like I was telling people, the one thing I feared, and, and again, I love Trump, but the one thing that I fear. Is that this gets so out of hand, then, you know, again, you have Rosie O'Donnell, you know, let's declare martial law and all that, giving the government more power, giving Trump more power. I mean, you know, this is the time to, you know, just calm down, know that he's going to be the president and again, work, you know, work to get your issues across. Uh, That's really the only way to do it. And if Clinton won, I mean, I wouldn't be out there lifting, you know, bench pressing cars and uh, leg pressing, you know, tanks out there. That's the only reason why I wouldn't be doing those things. Uh, and I wouldn't run either because that's too much cardio. So I'd just be lifting those things, right. uh, you know. But again, if if it would have been the other way around, then you got to, you know, like Obama said, if you don't like, you know, politics, if you don't like the government, what the government's doing, run for office, change it. I mean, that's the only way to really do this. Trump was one of the guys that, again, that's why he got voted in to, to be president because he didn't like the way things were running. He wanted to change it uh, to change things, and again, he. He uh, he got the ultimate reward for that uh, as winning the presidency. So that's the only way to do it. Don't be you know damaging. And again, that costs people too. It's not like you know you're hurting Trump by you know smashing some Windows business. I mean some business, Windows business, some uh, uh, business's window, burning down or some in, dude's car. Yeah, exactly. You know? And again, th- those a lot of those people are barely making it. Uh, you know, suffering because of the economy. So I, again, you're just doing. Uh, just you're doing a, a disservice to your fellow man. Just do do it within the system and change the system from within. So I'm, see, I get excited to talk about politics. I even ramble on about it. Well, I know this was going to be your show. This is going to be your day. It's um, always my show, bro. So it's just now, I'm sharing it with Trump. Yeah. yeah. Um, after a day of political activities and inaugurational addresses and that kind of stuff, um, they usually have a couple of of dances. So where do you think that Donald Trump is going to hold his inaugural balls? His what? His inaugural balls. Uh, okay, that didn't sound right. Um, I, that that stuff doesn't matter to me. You know the whole like the the balls and uh, <laughs> uh, that, that that stuff just doesn't matter to me. You know, I I wish they would do away with all that stuff, like the presidential dinners and all that. I mean, just a waste of money. We pay them enough. For, for we pay them enough to be public servants. You know, again, they're not elected officials. They're supposed to be public servants. That's right. Well, what's not a waste of money is uh, is sponsoring this podcast. And so, for the listeners here of the Spurs Cast, uh, Audible is offering a free audio book download with a free thirty day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, I, I told you last time about uh, you know the Michael Conley books and stuff that I, I, I had list. Do you even call them books if you're listening to them? The audio. Yeah, because somebody's reading it. Yeah, so it, it's kind of like school. You remember, like the school teacher Story would time. open up the book. Yeah, 
Yeah, we so Michael Conley story time uh, that I was really into. And so I was sitting on a plane yesterday, and uh, and I had to actually read a book. And it was a great book. Is Joe Lansdale is a um, he's a, a, an Austin author, but he wrote this awesome book called The Thicket. It's a cool, it's an awesome, awesome book. And as I was reading, I thought, damn it, I wish I had this on audible.com because I would have rather had somebody uh, reading it to me than having to sort through this. I got to close my eyes and just sort of become one with the experience, but I didn't have it. So I had to go and read it. So um, I will be downloading on audible.com Joe Lansdale uh, books. I'm sure that you're going to be reading some more political memoirs, right? Well, they have Trump, the art of the deal. So, yeah. Get it going. So, uh, all of our listeners, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Uh, and get your free audiobook, man. It's cool. It's one of our sponsors. And, and uh, you know, help us out and uh, get, get a good service for it, too. Sound good, Jose? Are you signing up? Always. Today? Free stuff is always good. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, so let's move on from politics, man. Let's talk Spurs. Spurs thrashed the Nuggets uh, last night. David Lee had a huge rebounding night. Of course, Kawhi went off. Uh, DeJounte Murray showed up, which was great, but the story is is Powell uh, breaking his finger. So I, I want to spend a little bit of time going through the game last night and and talking stats and stuff, but let's start with with Powell breaking his finger, running into who? I I I don't know where it was, but I I've been hearing uh, rumblings that it was Kyle Anderson, which is not going to help his stock. Of course it was. Of course it was Kyle. I, it's just a rumor, though. I I'm not going to throw him under the bus. That's what I've heard, but. Uh, to you, it doesn't sound very surprising, does it? No, not at all. He's always in the wrong place at the wrong time, the wrong place on the bench. Uh, you, you, I mean, you know how I feel about uh, Kyle Anderson, but and especially if he took out Pal Gasol. Come on, man. Come on. Uh, but what is what is that going to do? Pal being out, I for me, I got to say, I don't want to say no big deal because it is a big deal. I mean, this is a Hall of Famer, an NBA Hall of Famer, International Basketball Hall of Famer. Um, it is a big deal, but I gotta say, man, you, it, I'm pretty comfortable with sliding LaMarcus Aldridge over there and, uh, and, and giving David Lee more minutes. I know that sounds crazy, but, uh, David Lee is doing awesome. And, and, and you summed up really well. He's like a, a more athletic Tiago splitter last night at 10 points, 16 boards. So a double, double with 16 boards, uh, off the bench. Yeah, and you know that goes back to uh, we might as well mention it now because you you just uh, talked about it. We had a viewer uh, question from Lu- Luis Castro, and his handle is at la castro twenty six, and he asked with Powell's injury and the open roster spot, do y'all see the Spurs filling that roster spot? If so, is there a list of players that could come in and fill that, or do we let the young guys get the exposure? Bertans at the four, uh, you know, and you were bringing it up because you you were basically saying you know just. Uh, slide David Lee in at the four. I mean, you could even put uh, Deadman at the five and right. put uh, Aldridge at the four. I think, again, th- this is what, what I was sort of um, hinting at. Remember when we were talking about those trade talks? And I was thinking, you know, if they trade somebody, it'll make the rotations easier because they have a lot of talent. And, you know, Pop really is trying to play everybody, uh, find minutes for everybody, and then finding different lineups. So, again, you know, with Powell getting hurt, that hurts the Spurs, you know, talent-wise. But, again, now it's going to make these rotations easier. 
uh, for Pop because now he can pick a starter. Like how you said, do you uh, you can start David Lee at the four. Uh, he had all those. Re- how many rebounds did he have? Sixteen. Sixteen boards. <laughs> 16 rebounds. I mean, and it's not – and, you know, when you see him rebound, it's not like he waits for the ball to come to him. He goes and and chases it. If it's, uh, you know, a few feet away, he jumps over there, you know, with his hands stretched out trying to get it. I mean, he fights for those boards. So you could easily insert him in, uh, you know, put put Lamarcus at the five, bring in Deadman at the five, uh, keep Aldridge at the four. Uh, you, you can do different things, you know, and also depending on the matchup, uh, would they should or should they fill in that spot with somebody? Uh, you know, Livio Charles is, is still in Austin. Um, there was a Jefferson. Uh, you go to the Austin games, right? Yeah, that Jefferson dude. John is Diaz. Really- yeah, said that there was a Jefferson guy. Corey Jefferson. Th- that guy is uh, is his first name Corey. I don't know, man. He's got like he has like a little. Um, he has a beard that almost makes me think he's just a, a like a stretched out Jonathan Simmons. That dude is ridiculous. Um, th- the way he explodes towards the basket is amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, I was telling you that when Jonathan Simmons was there, I swear I saw him touch the top of the backboard. Uh, this guy's kind of that same that same dude. Uh, I would take him over Jean Charles. I, I would put him and see and give him some minutes and see where he can go because the explosiveness is is crazy. I, I don't know who to, to say he's like because he's not quite as agile as like DeAndre Jordan, but he's kind of kind of has the same same appeal, you know. Does that does that make sense? I mean, he's got, he, he kind of he would fit in that spot. For me, um, I, I I would just experiment with the D League, kind of like what you're suggesting there. I don't think there's a, a free agent to bring him in uh, to bring in that could fit in there. I wouldn't do something crazy like make a trade uh, to try to fill in because you're you're talking about the last spot. That that dude's not getting minutes at all once um, Powell comes back, and it's a broken finger. He'll come back this year. Like, Chris Paul's out for six to eight weeks. If it comes out that Powell's gone for two months like that, um, I think that becomes a bigger deal. But if the Spurs can get, uh, you know, a top four seed in, in the West with Powell's injury and he comes back in time for the last month and can gel with the team again, then I, I wouldn't really I, – I, I wouldn't consider this a, 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 a big deal – but uh, it's something to watch. But as long as Powell's back with about a month to go before the playoffs, I'm I'm good with that. Uh, yeah, and I was looking through uh, John Diaz's uh, a timeline. He writes for the Austin Spurs. Yeah, uh, Spurs on six. I think the uh, yeah Spurs on six is uh, shoot. I don't know what the Twitter handle is, but I know we uh, let me find that out. But it's it's another one of the Project Spurs Network um, sites. Yeah, and, and uh, you know he put out a tweet saying. Uh, and, and I'll quote him, my bias to p- potential replacement, Corey Jefferson, averaging 16.5 points and 8.1 rebounds for the Austin Spurs, shooting 49.8 on field goals and 39.6 from three point. So I, I think that's, you know, uh, you have nothing to lose. You, you know, he's just going to fill up that spot until Powell gets back. Uh, Sean Elliott brought up great points about the Paul Gasol injury. It's on his left hand. So, again, it's not like he's going to lose conditioning. He can still run around, get in shape, or stay in shape. He can still shoot with his right hand. You know, really, the uh, the left hand is just to guide the ball, you know, uh, during the motion. So, uh, it's it's really not that bad. And even if he comes back with, like, a little cast or whatever it may be on his finger, it's not going to, you know, do, you know, much much damage, in my opinion. But I do have a name that just got acquired in the D-League. Um I, I I think you're gonna go crazy over it in happiness, uh, but Dewan Blair is now back in the D league. Do you think no the joke. Spurs should? 
I mean, yeah, he got picked up by the Texas Legends, which is I think the Mavs affiliate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's in the he, D you know, League he, for the Mavs, so he was a he was totally out of basketball. He was in China. Oh, he was he was in China. Okay. Yeah. I thought he was totally out. Speaking of that, where's Andrea Bargnani? Let's talk about that. Some some cupcake shop. Some cupcake shop in New Jersey. Uh, so Dwan Blair's back in the D League. So you know what? It's not going to take long for uh, Dwan Blair to make it back to to the NBA, especially if he's in in the Mavs system because those guys suck. That that'd be you know, and I was just joking when I I even said that online, and I think people took my my sarcasm seriously because you don't know when somebody's being sarcastic, obviously. Sure. Uh, but no, gosh, no. I mean, he, I don't even think he'd want to be the last guy on the bench, you know. So, well, he's let he's him dominate the right now. I mean, he's, he, he's in, in no spot. Well, I mean, let's let's talk. Um, let, let's move off that. If that's, I mean, you, you, is that subject expired? Have we beaten that one down? We we both think that Powell's going to be it, it, he comes back he's fine don't fill the roster spot right oh I, I think you should fill it with the Dealy guy well yeah uh, fill but it with you the know D-Lee just fill yeah it with but your own I, assets. It, yeah just get, and at the same time bringing up a Dealy a player can also help them get accustomed to the NBA the you know the big lights uh the you know the cameras looking at them you know all those people uh, it'll just do good for for the player if he's called up you know but you know if you bring a veteran in there just to ride the bench. It's really not going to help the team at all. So get the young guys in there. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about a young guy who just went off last night. My and, boy. My boy. Yeah, your boy. Exactly, your boy. But, I mean, totally unexpectedly. Gets the starting nod, right, for Tony Parker? Yeah. Yeah, so, so DeJounte Murray, who, you know, he's rookie, you know, uh, um, a roster spot for the San Antonio Spurs, but he's basically playing in Austin this entire year. That dude got 34 minutes. Goes seven for eleven from the field, three for five from uh, three point land, a perfect hundred percent from the stripe, plus minus a plus twenty three. Uh, the guy just went off, just went absolutely off. Twenty three points, I think. Twenty four points in thirty four uh, minutes. Yeah, crazy, crazy. How about his play, man? And and, and do you th- can you expect that moving forward? I mean, do you think, uh, or do you think he's back? I mean, he's clearly going to go back to Austin once Tony gets back, right? Or once Tony is ready. Uh, you know, it, that, that's going to be an interesting situation because I, I think when Tony gets back, you don't be surprised if you see Patty get a night off just to see how he plays next to Manu and Juice and all these, you know, Burtons, all these, uh, the bench players, the second unit. Uh, he's not going to have the off the, the shooting like Patty, but if he can bring some offense where then you could tell Manu, okay, be that spot-up shooter that Mills, you know, is, and, you know, try to create on your own, like how Manu used to. I, I There might be a spot for him. And I know that, again, he's the third point guard right now. But, he, you know, he impressed last night. That's how I That's how I was hoping he'd play. Do you remember when, when he first got drafted? Uh, we were talking about him, and I think Paul was on the show too. One of the things that I said that it's important for him to do is to realize that he's a long player. Don't be like George Hill. Right. George Hill used to play defense with – like if he had T-Rex arms, you know, instead of, you know, trying to get the ball, uh, pressure the ball, uh, you know, uh, contest, you know, as high as you can. You know, that's what he did last night, and, and he looked comfortable out there. Uh, he doesn't weigh a lot. You know, maybe put a little meat on them bones, but again, Dude, he, he has skinny. the speed. He's – crazy skinny exactly and you know it it doesn't bother me you know when he's running you know uh when he's uh you know driving to the lane the only thing that's going to worry me is what if a 250 pound small forward to you know to uh maybe a 280 pound center 
comes in and you know just basically throws oh, him yeah. down like a Zaza or something. You right. know, I mean, wh- wh- how's how's he going to react to that? He's not. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be killed. Hey, he's not gonna react. That's what, it's hey, over. I I I'm, I'm going to stand up for for my friend. Okay, Dejounte Murray, I am standing up for your for your good name. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked what I saw. He has that Jamal Crawford mentality. He was not nervous out oh, there. Oh, that's a really you know, good I comparison. Thought, I, I thought I, I thought he was going to. Well, he trained with them. He uh, they they trained together when he was in Washington. Uh, so I, I would, I mean, I was just pleasantly surprised with how confident he was out there, especially with the, with the bigger guys. You know, like uh, the big names like Lamarcus and Kawhi. There was a play where I, you know Sean Elliott kind of a. Uh, you know, laughed because he said, you know, he was coming down uh, in transition, I think it was, and he had two guys open, uh, LaMarcus and Kawhi. So it was kind of, you know, uh, kind of a big pressure situation to see who do you throw it to, you know, the, the one and two options out there. Uh, you know, but he looked comfortable. That's the only thing you can ask for. Uh, I'd, I'd honestly like to see him play, get some minutes against the better point guards if he can play like that. You know, the Steph Currys. If he can show that confidence against them, uh, again, that only puts the Spurs in a better situation because honestly, if he if he if he gets the the Spurs staffs, uh, you know, trust and that he'll develop into a big time player, Patty Mills really loses the leverage of you know getting more money from the Spurs. Uh, and again, Manu could be, he could be that Manu uh, you know point, uh, shooting point type of uh, <coughs> uh, replacement. So again, the Spurs are getting really what they were hoping uh, in this young man. Uh, I, I, I'm just excited, you know, again, and, you know, just those plays where he uses his long arms, that's really something you can't teach. And a lot of these other guys like a Steph Curry or Chris Paul, you know, those point guards, they're not used to, you know, long guys like those guarding them. So uh, again, it's exciting to, to see him out there with that confidence. I'm yeah, excited. I was, I was I'm just, happy today. Yeah. This is your day. Uh, I was real skeptical. Uh, well, uh, let me come off that statement. I was Hated. hopeful that, DeJounte Murray could step in and be a solid third string point guard. And then we see what happens with Tony Parker because, you know, we had Corey Joseph and people were really positive. I was one of them about Corey Joseph and his ability to start uh, on spot duty, filling in for Tony Parker. And then perhaps was the, you know, the future starter at point guard for that team. And when they lost Corey Joseph, I was really bummed out. Of course, when they lost Ray McCallum, I was super bummed out, but when I look at DeJounte Murray and his huge upside at the one or the two, I, I feel like, okay, so I, I'm over it now from the Corey Joseph perspective. I, I think that the Spurs absolutely replaced, uh, re, you know, ended up replacing Corey Joseph and get, and, and DeJounte Murray gives him a real option for the future. And in this, in this contract year with Patty, like you said, I mean, there's, uh, I'm not sitting here trying to like screw Patty out of money. You know, uh, and none of the money is mine, obviously. But you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say that he's expendable by any means. But you know, it, it it really gives the Spurs some options with what do they do with the future of Tony? What do they do with Patty? Uh, and with Manu foreseeably stepping aside this year, they got another guy that can play two different spots, and and that's really what they need on this team. Um, well, let's switch off the point guard and, and the two guard spot, and let me ask you a question here about. Uh, a guy who got 29 minutes last night shot four for nine, uh, which is, I guess that's okay. You know, that's almost almost 50% from the field. But LaMarcus Aldridge only taking nine shots in your offense. I know Kawhi's your guy. He got 22 shots last night. Uh, and, you, you know, you just let Kawhi do whatever he wants to do. 
But LaMarcus only getting nine shots. Six assists, that's great. When I look at his line, the thing that stands out to me is that, he, in my mind, he's not, take, he's not having enough attempts from the field uh, to really get going and really be dominant. Like when he was with Portland and he was the guy, he, uh, you know, he was shooting, you know, 15 times a night at, at minimum. What's going on with LaMarcus Aldridge in this offense? Do you think he's being passed by, um, especially now with, with Pow out that game? I'm surprised that, you know, Murray just kind of had free reign and did whatever he wanted to do. And LaMarcus Aldridge just standing there like, give me the ball, dude. I got, I played 30 minutes that game and only got nine shots. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that I've noticed about Lamarcus that's really hurting his game, and I put it a tweet. I, I put a tweet on that. I think from the at the Spurs cast. You know, if you're not following us, uh, get on that because now we have seven followers, uh, 700 followers. Man, you know, we, we love all our fans. Uh, but one of the things that I've noticed about Lamarcus is that he tends to again he he posts up he posts up from the left side, right? So when he's doing that. He's, he's basically dribbling to the right, and again, he's dribbling to the help, and you saw that plenty of times yesterday. That's why he, uh, Danny Green was open, because he was basically sucking in Danny Green's guy and leaving him open, wh- whoever the shooter was in front of him. Uh, one of the things he can easily do to get more shots is when he's going into the help, you know, just, uh, again, just switch arms and uh, go to the left. There's a wide open lane every time there. Uh, but again, he it, I don't know if it's him wanting to to be the guy that's distributing sort of like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you out by giving you a wide open shot instead of me taking up all these shots. Or if he's not understanding the situation, I really doubt that he's not understanding the situation because again, the coaches go through that. They might be telling him like, Hey, you know, you're going into the double or triple team, uh, instead of, you know, just a one quick dribble to the left and then, you know, having a wide open uh, lane. Uh, but I think it's mostly that I think it's all mental, uh, that, that he got nine shots, uh, and again, you know, Kawhi is really the unfair option against, you know, in that scheme because he's going to have the advantage in every matchup, even against LeBron, you know, because again, LeBron's, uh, you know, when they go one-on-one, it's just going to tire him out. LeBron's not used to having somebody who can shoot and, you know, take it in with, with as much uh, tremendous effort as, as Kawhi can. So I, I just think that Kawhi is be, is that good. That again, that it's affecting Lamarcus's uh, shot selection, uh, how many shots he gets, but also it's it's Lamarcus again doing the little things that really are hindering his game, like dribbling into the double team where he has to pass it up. Yeah, uh, no, that's a good explanation. Um, I just wonder if there's a way that it, you know when they're dropping it in there into the post, and he, it, I guess you know what, maybe I'm maybe I'm just complaining and searching for something here because you're right when he gets. It's not as if he's dribbling into the double team, which, I mean, well, he is doing that. But he's kicking it out to open shooters, and he's getting assists. I mean, he had, what, six assists last night, right? So he's finding shooters. He's not just, you know, forcing shots. I guess maybe that's that's a component of it. Maybe I just need to be stop being so damn pessimistic. It's the new America, man. It's got, ever since 11 o'clock, I'm just so pessimistic now. Just smell the air. It smells like America. Not America, America. Well, well, click over. The other topic that we wanted to talk through was uh, strength of schedule. And I brought it up last podcast, or maybe it was the one before that, about how Golden State's leading the way out west. Uh, but they've, they've had a ridiculous, e- ridiculously easy strength of schedule. And they're in the bottom half of the league uh, in strength of schedule. And that happens, um, you know, it, it's a fluid 
system, right? It changes every game. Somebody wins, somebody loses, so your strength of schedule adjusts accordingly. Um, but, you know, the current, as of today, strength of schedule, I kind of wanted to go through that uh, for, for listeners and, and talk with you about it, too, um, and, and talk through some of these teams that are getting a lot of hype. Uh, and, and I want to start at the very, very bottom and kind of work our way up in logic from the, you know, number 30. I don't want to go through all 30 teams, but point out a couple of teams and their storylines and, and, uh, and, and see if it makes sense to you. You know, Philadelphia, they've already won more games than they did last year, but people are talking about Philadelphia as making a potential run, uh, and, and so on. And they're winning those games. They're 14 and 26, but they have the, the easiest schedule in the NBA. Uh, and they've only won 14 games. So when we're talking about getting hot, too high or too low on a franchise and a team, and especially Joel Embiid's uh, contribution to the 76ers, I'd ask people to kind of like to, to pump the brakes a little bit uh, and, and 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 look at their strength of schedule and say they're the worst uh, strength or the easiest strength of schedule in the league. You know, Indiana is another team that's like that, but they're 29th in the league, uh, and the bottom half of the of the um, uh, rankings in, tor- in terms of strength of schedule is just littered with the Eastern Conference teams, as you'd expect, right? Because we think the Eastern Conference, it's Cleveland and then uh, and, and Toronto and then just a bunch of other dudes. Uh, and so that makes a lot of sense. But one team that's at, at 26, so they have um, the 26th easiest. Am I saying that right? They have the 26th easiest schedule or they have one, two, three, four. They have the fifth easiest schedule. Is that Does that make sense? The twenty nine uh, and fifteen L.A. Clippers that they have the easiest. Yeah, they're fit. They have the fifth easiest schedule. Yeah, that's the right yeah. way to say it. So the Clippers are twenty nine and fifteen. They got twenty nine games. They're fourth place in the West, but they've been beaten up on a bunch of losers. And again, you mentioned that Chris Paul's out. That's going to make a you know it's going to be extremely hard for them to keep pace. And again, that's not really good news for Spurs fans because, again, if they drop to number seven, and it's completely possible that they do, I, you know, right after uh, it was announced that, uh, that Chris Paul was injured, Sean Elliott, again, if they drop to number seven, that's going to be a hard, extremely hard uh, first round uh, for the Spurs. And then the second round, obviously, against the Rockets if the Spurs stay at the, in the second seed. So uh, you just be praying for the Clippers. Well, Pray that the Clippers do well. But that's what I'm. That's what I'm telling you is, or I'm trying to trying to theorize here with you is, are they tough? I mean, is that a tough out? Or because this says that they're winning games against a bunch of chumps. So are they good? I mean, should we care if they get seventh? Well, I think so because they beat the Spurs the last time, right? So uh, they're really the only team that make me nervous. Uh, just because they can play in different ways. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I think basketball is mostly matchups. I don't really look at records. Uh, it's not like you know we're talking about the Bulls in the '90s where you know they're doing well, so you know they're the most unbeatable team. You know, I, I think the Warriors have their weaknesses, but it depends on who they play against. Uh, that's the same thing with the Clippers. Uh, you know, I really think the the Clippers are the Spurs kryptonite. Uh, when it comes into the playoffs because of the many ways that they play. You know, Chris Paul is a tough guard for somebody like Tony Parker or, or Patty Mills. Uh, and then you have Lob City and then uh, Blake Griffin at the four. So um, I, I think they're re- they, I think they are tough. Uh, schedule be damned. Yeah. Well, right in the middle of the uh, of the ratings is Cleveland. They're 30 and 11. They're leading the East. They're, you know, everyone's favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're 16th, right? So I guess that would be make them the 15th easiest schedule if that makes sense right so they're uh, use that sort of as your baseline uh, and then if you walk up a couple of steps 
to uh, Golden State. Now we're now we're going to flip the the logic here. They have the tw- the twelfth most difficult schedule, and they're thirty six and six. So they're not a top ten strength of schedule team. So they're doing fantastic. Same thing though that they're beating up on teams that they should win against. Uh, and you will we, you see that the the teams that they're losing against, there's not a whole lot of surprises there, and they're losing games late. So I mean, Golden State's a, a good team, borderline great team. Uh, you know, but they they don't have a top ten strength of schedule, is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and you know, um, well, we are saying that they're they're basically beating up on the chumps, right? Yeah, right. Uh, that could play two ways because again, you saw one of their problems isn't their talent, but when they blow leads, it's because then they get sort of bored out there mm-hmm. and they try to do their own thing. That's going to be pretty tough if, if they have that mentality going into later in the season. If they beat up on all these teams right now, and let's say they're 15 games, you know, uh, leading from the second seed or something like that, 10 games, whatever it might be, uh, depending on the pace they they go in. You know, again, that's going to really hurt if they can't turn, you know, flip the switch come the playoffs. If they're going to be, laz- uh, laz- you know which word I'm trying to say, Lackadaisical. Lackadaisical, thank you. If they're going to be like that, you know, again, that that's that's one of the things that those uh, that the it's called the championship hangover, right? But again, they're they're not the defending champions. But I, I would really be concerned, and and you know, with their uh, mannerisms during the games, if if they keep putting uh, this effort where they play for three quarters, take the fourth quarter off, blow the lead, uh, it's just going to go into the playoffs because you really can't change that mentality, especially with all those gifted players. Yeah, no doubt. And San Antonio uh, just makes a top ten. Most difficult strength of schedule last um, last you know before this last game with Denver they were they had the sixth most difficult uh, schedule to date they're thirty three and nine um, and and that makes sense right because they've they've played some difficult teams they're about to play uh, Cleveland yeah right I, I get it top ten team moving up this is a team that I want to focus on they're right on the heels of San Antonio you know the Houston Rockets have never had a sub top. They've never been ranked. I'm really having a hard time reading this. They're, they've never had a worse strength of schedule rating than the fifth most difficult strength of schedule. Is that clear? I hope it's clear. If it's not, I really I, don't care. I was going to say, I do not know what the heck you just said. Well, but, okay, so, uh, so they've always had a really difficult schedule. Okay. Out of all the schedules in the league, they've always had a top five difficulty in their schedule and they're 33 and 12 against that difficulty. I, I wonder if that has to do with uh, the rodeo road trip, you know, because it, how long do they take off? They, they take off like what? Two, three weeks, right? Yeah. You, I'm talking, just a, of, I'm talking Houston. Oh, Houston. Oh, why, why do I care? Um, because they're, uh, no, because you should care because they're right behind San Antonio in the ratings, right? They're number three in standings. But they're playing a uh, a schedule that's fifty uh, percent more difficult than San Antonio's schedule. I, I, really, I don't think it matters for them. You know, uh, just because they still play the same style, uh, it might be best for them. You know, come the long run, because if you could get you know all these hard games out now and sort of rest, you know, not rest, but take it easy at the second half of the season. Because remember, D'Antoni doesn't go deep into his bench, and he really relies on James Harden. So if James Harden starts pulling a Steve Nash where the games are harder at the end of the season, uh, you know, he sort of starts wearing down. They have to sit him. They really don't have the Leandro Barbosa they used to have in Phoenix or, you know, uh, 
or just when there were times when uh, Steve Nash couldn't play, they would slide Raja Bell in at the you know point guard position. You have Patrick Beverly, but when you have Patrick Beverly taking James Harden's place as the point guard, the offense isn't going to be the same. You know, he's not going to be throwing those crazy passes and you know dominating in the pick and roll like uh, Harden can. So uh, I think it actually plays to their favor to get the tough games out now. And, you know, sort of not rest, but take it a little bit easier come playoff time. Yeah. For, from Houston's perspective, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number one, I guess they're, they're listeners of this show might care. Dallas is number two, uh, and they're 14 and 28. So um, they totally suck, but they're also playing a really difficult schedule. Uh, and then Portland at 18-26, which is a, a surprise team. I know we're going to do our midseason show next, uh, next podcast, but Portland's kind of a surprise team from a negative perspective. Uh, they are just not the team that we thought they would be uh, coming into this year. But they're 18 and 26. But they've had for the past two periods, they've had the most difficult schedule uh, in the NBA. Uh, okay, anything else, man? Let's wrap it up. Let's get you back to all of the inauguration festivities for the day. So I guess we're doing our midseason show. Will be our next show, and then we'll do the rodeo road trip show. The good thing is we're going to have Paul Garcia on uh, to again legitimize it with. Uh, deep statistical analysis, not just your rants and ravings and my, uh, you know, my opinions on this kind of stuff. So looking forward to those next two podcasts. Yeah. Your opinions, my facts and Paul stats. That's it. That's, you know what? New, new show title. Uh, okay. Well, that's it for this episode of the Spurs cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs cast. And if you're a project Spurs reader and you're not following at the Spurs cast, you're you're making a mistake in life. You need to re reapply your uh your your logic there. You need to change your ways. This is a new day in America, and you should be following at the Spurs Cast on Twitter. Uh, catch up with Jose at JRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. Follow us and any other Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs as well. Jose, thank you, and to you listeners, you are welcome.